Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Buck, and joining me today to share what we need to know about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD for short, is Dr. Naeem Alkhori, who is the Chief of Transplant Hepatology and the Director of the Fatty Liver Program at Arizona Liver Health in Phoenix. Dr. Alkhori, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me and uh, for having this discussion about a topic dear to my heart, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NAFL. Uh, we need to raise awareness and what you're doing is highly appreciated. Thank you, sir. To start us off, Dr. Alcore, what are the risk factors for developing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? So NAFL is considered the liver manifestation of the metabolic syndrome uh, defined by the presence of uh, overweight obesity, uh, dyslipidemia, hypertension, insulin resistance, and type 2 diabetes. Uh, so these are the major risk factors, and we have epidemic percentages of uh, all of these, unfortunately. Uh, so when we look at patients coming with uh, NAFL to our clinics, about 80% are obese, uh, about 45% have type 2 diabetes, and close to 80 80% have, you know, prediabetes or diabetes, and then about two-thirds will have hypertension, dyslipidemia, and metabolic syndrome. NAFLD is defined by the presence of uh, fat in the liver cells uh, in the absence of significant alcohol consumption. Uh, so the first question I ask my patients is about how much alcohol th they consume. And what's considered excessive alcohol consumption is anything uh, three drinks or more for men uh, or 21 drinks per week. And then for women, it's lower. It's two drinks or more per day or 14 drinks drinks per week. So if the patient is not consuming excessive alcohol consumption, uh, they have obesity, metabolic syndrome, and fatty liver, then we call it NAFL. Uh, Dr. Alcori, do you have any tricks uh, with regard to getting the exact information about alcohol consumption from our patients? That seems to be a consistent problem across the board. What do you do? To be honest with you, I mean, I agree. This is uh, sometimes uh, tricky to get accurate information and our patients tend to underestimate. So sometimes if they have other family members with them, I like to confirm that what they're telling me is uh, correct. There are several biomarkers that can also help you assess the amount of alcohol that they are consuming. Uh, if you have a suspicion that they're not being honest with you, but, uh, you know, also getting detailed alcohol intake history and understanding what is a standard alcoholic drink is important. When we say uh, drink, it means uh, 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, and one and a half ounces of hard liquor. So this is important because many patients say, well, I do two beers a day, but when you ask, you realize that they're doing a 24 ounce beer. And then when you ask about the alcohol content, instead of the typical beer that has 4%, uh, they're consuming the double IPA that has 8%. Uh, so that, uh, you know, exponentially increases the amount of alcohol they're drinking. So just knowing what a standard alcohol drink is and uh, uh, asking in details how much they drink is very helpful. Also, you have to ask about uh, drinking on the weekend versus weekdays because many patients just binge drink on the weekend. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they do 12 beers each day, uh, and that's considered excessive alcohol drinking. That's great. So would you please review the stages of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? 
Yeah, that's a very important question. So not all NAFLD is created equal. We have, uh, as you said, different stages. So it's really a disease uh, spectrum. It starts with uh, what we call uh, simple steatosis or non-alcoholic fatty liver, NAFL. Uh, this is when you have uh, steatosis or fat within the hepatocytes, but there is no inflammation and there is no hepatocyte injury, what we call ballooning of the hepatocytes. So this is simple steatosis. Uh, typically, it has relatively a benign course in terms of progression to cirrhosis. Um, and then what we worry about more is what we call NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So now we have, in addition to steatosis, we have what we call lobular inflammation, and then we also have hepatocyte ballooning. And NASH is considered a, a progressive form of NAFLD, and this can lead to liver fibrosis, which has four stages. So stage one being mild and then moderate, severe, uh, or bridging fibrosis is stage three, and then stage four is cirrhosis. So the last uh, most aggressive form of the disease is what we call NASH cirrhosis. And this is very important because today it's not enough to tell patients that you have fatty liver disease. You need to know the stage. And we have several uh, non-invasive tests to tell us about the stage of fibrosis, which is really the most important prognostic factor uh, in terms of the risk of these patients developing cirrhosis and its complications. A liver biopsy is also something that we've done for years and decades, uh, and that will give us uh, valuable information in terms of the presence of NASH and the stage of fibrosis. But I can tell you that in my clinical practice now, I do biopsies on probably 5% of patients. So 95%, uh, I am able to determine the disease severity with non-invasive uh, tests. We call them NITs now. And that's a perfect segue to our next question. With those stages in mind, what are the clinical tools that you use to monitor disease progression? So we like to divide these tools into what we call wet biomarkers or serologic tests. And these are divided into simple scores. The easiest way is to do something called the FIB4 index. This is an online calculator. It has AST and ALT. And we know that the ratio of AST-ALT reverses when you have advanced disease. So typically, in NAFLD, your ALT is higher than AST, but when you have advanced disease, the AST becomes higher. You have also platelet count in it and age because with advanced disease, typically you have lower platelets and older patients are more likely to have advanced disease. So you put these four numbers in a calculator. If you're less than 1.3, you're low risk for having advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis. If you're more than 2.67, you're considered high risk. This is the simplest uh, test we have, and this is very good for primary care physicians to utilize to risk stratify patients with NAFL. The next segment of uh, non-invasive tests that are serologic is what we call complex biomarkers. So uh, some of them test biomarkers of what we call extracellular matrix turnover. So these are you know, biomarkers of uh, collagen deposition in the liver. And there's one that was recently approved by the FDA called the Enhanced Liver Fibrosis or ELF test. Uh, this is commercially available. It has uh, three biomarkers in it and it has prognostic value in terms of uh, progression to cirrhosis and developing complications. Then we have imaging tests. Uh, so we can actually determine liver stiffness uh, with the concept of uh, elastography. And this can be done with ultrasound-based uh, technologies. We have VibroScan machine where you get uh, liver stiffness measurements that uh, correspond to the stage of liver fibrosis. Uh, we can also do the same with MR elastography. There are other MR technologies, including a number we call 
directed T1 or CT1. So having all these tests from the scores to the wet biomarkers to the uh, imaging test, I think we are able to uh, determine the severity of the disease in the vast majority of uh, our patients. For those just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Peter Buck, and I'm speaking with Dr. Naim Alkari about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So let's turn our attention to treatment, Dr. Alkari. How do you manage NAFLD? That's a very important question. And the first thing we talk about is really lifestyle interventions and trying to lose weight. And uh, we've had uh, trials establishing that if you lose around uh, 7% of your total body weight, uh, you have a chance to uh, uh, resolve NASH and you need to get to that 10% of total body weight to see regression in fibrosis. Uh, so what does that mean for our patients? If they're at 250 pounds, uh, we aim for 10% total body weight loss. So that would be around 25 pounds. And I think that's important for the patients to understand that they don't need to have this ideal BMI and be less than 25. Sometimes we're talking about 20, 25 pounds of weight loss, and that will have a great impact on their disease. Um, now, easier said than done, and it's not easy to lose weight and maintain weight loss. Sometimes we use uh, medications for weight loss, such as uh, semaglutide at uh, high dose. Uh, bariatric surgery is a very effective uh, modality also uh, to treat NASH usually we reserve it for patients with severe obesity and other complications from obesity with uh, NASH and fibrosis. But there are studies showing that five years after bariatric surgery, you can have NASH resolution in 85%. And uh, the majority of patients will have also a regression in liver fibrosis. In terms of uh, medications that we use uh, specifically for NASH, uh, we had a trial called the PIVINS trial that evaluated vitamin E at 800 units versus pyoglitazone at 30 milligrams versus placebo in non-diabetic patients with biopsy-proven NASH. And that study showed that both vitamin E and the pyoglitazone were associated with some histologic improvement in terms of decreased liver inflammation and hepatocellular injury, although we didn't see a signal on liver fibrosis in that trial. Uh, there are other trials looking at patients with prediabetes, diabetes, but there's a concern about fluid retention, worsening heart failure, uh, losing bone density. So we're looking beyond these two agents. We've seen some promising results with the GLP-1 agonists, such as uh, semaglutide. And then we have uh, several therapeutic agents that are in development now, including a few in uh, phase uh, three clinical trials. Uh, so one of these uh, agents is called uh, resmeterone. Uh, this is a thyroid hormone receptor beta agonist uh, that has the beneficial effects of the thyroid hormones without the thyrotoxicosis. We have another drug called lanafibrinor. This is a PPAR alpha, delta, and gamma agonist. PPAR alpha is the target for phenofibrate, so you can lower your triglycerides. PPAR gamma is the target for glitazones, uh, so insulin sensitizers, and PPAR delta uh, has uh, beneficial effects in the liver in terms of decreasing liver inflammation. Another agent is called obedocolic acid, which is a synthetic bile acid, um, and this works on a receptor called FXR, uh, and this has been associated with fibrosis regression uh, in a phase uh, three trial. So the pipeline is rich, and we have uh, clinical trials. Uh, so I really anticipate that in the next five years, we're going to see complete transformation in how we manage patients with uh, NAFLD. That's great. So what are you specifically doing in your center and are you recruiting for patients? 
So uh, we are actually a hybrid uh, clinical and research practice. So we see patients with all different uh, kinds of uh, liver diseases at Arizona Liver Health with a focus on NAFLD. Um, and in patients with NAFLD, we offer clinical trials. Uh, in addition to this, we are doing also lifestyle intervention trials. Um, and we are working with companies in what we call digital therapeutics. Uh, so these are apps that you can download to a smartphone uh, and they rely on the concept of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. They provide our patients with uh, recipes and uh, uh, exercises uh, with access also to a nutritionist uh, so they can ask uh, questions. And uh, actually we have several studies showing the beneficial effects of these uh, digital therapeutics in patients with type 2 diabetes and obesity. And we are exploring their effects effects on uh, NAFLD. Uh, we also have some diagnostic studies that we are doing, trying to validate some of these non-invasive tests um, and uh, also look on how they respond to uh, pharmacologic treatment and lifestyle uh, interventions. Those were some very important insights when it comes to treating our patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I want to thank my guest, Dr. Nayam Alkari, for an excellent discussion. Dr. Alkari, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Peter Buck. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash GI Insights, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.